This is a poem by the great uh, Cumbrian poet uh, Norman Nicholson. And it's a poem uh, about one of the characters we've just heard about in our readings, Elijah. And Elijah, as part of his ministry, had to scarper from the king who was after his neck. And he went and he hid in a valley on his own when the droughts came. Norman Nicholson rewrites that story and sets it instead in his beloved Lake District. The raven flew above the screes, above the rocks, where the bare bones of the mountain broke through the skin, and rain trickled to the black tarn, and lichen grew like gangrene on the splintered knuckles. The raven flew down the long wedge of the dale, above the upland dikes and slates and cobble walls, piled against the high waves of the fells. With slow corrugations of its wings, it dropped below the bracken cut for bedding to where green oats were sown on the brant fell, and the lyle herdwicks fed in the wet pastures, for the grass was thicker there, and orchids and burnet grew. The raven suddenly stepped steeply up the air, seeing a man sitting beside the beck, an old man with a beard white as men. Green water wound like bindweed round the rock and burst into buds of, and elderflowers of foam. Rowans and hawthorns creamed and bubbled with blossom and splashed their petals on the old man's head, who felt them not at all, nor the thin white rain. The raven soared on a lifting wind and flew to the farm beyond the mosses dropped like a hawk to the stackyard, scared the fowls with a thick black beak, and snatched the bread which the farmer's wife had scattered. It flew to the dale and dropped the bread to the man, who dipped it in the water and ate it like a salt. The raven flew away, knowing no reason nor questioning, knowing neither the man's face nor his name, for there was never a place for names in the brain of a raven, though its eyes were a dove's eyes in a black corvine head. The raven, of course, being a symbol of the spirit. Elijah was fed for many weeks by a raven in the desert. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free, says Paul. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. What does that mean? Freedom, what is freedom? Freedom from or freedom to. 
freedom for? Lots of different ways of thinking about freedom. When we listen to Jesus speaking, sometimes it's difficult to understand quite what he's going on about. In this reading that we heard of Jesus on his way to Jerusalem, he meets three different people. As they were going along the road, someone said, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus turns and instead of saying, great, join the crowd, he says, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests. Son of man has nowhere to lay his head. How would you respond if someone said that to you when you said, I'll follow you. Then Jesus comes across another man and says, you, follow me. And he says, yes, Lord, but first let me go and bury my father. For that, of course, is the great obligation of all Jews. To bury their father is one of the great obligations, more important even than saying your prayers. And Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. Who are we in that story? And then he comes across a third. I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to my family. And Jesus says, no one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What is going on here? Everyone that Jesus speaks to, everyone who says, I will follow you, or whom he asks, will you follow me? He then seems to rebut. Foxes have holes, but I have nowhere to lay my head. You don't want to follow me. Let me first go and bury my father. Let the dead bury the dead. How do you respond to that? You're faced with a choice, aren't you? The choice of whom? So what do I do now? Do I follow him? Or do I go back to my family? I'll follow you, but first. And Jesus says, no one who looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. There's a kind of tension here, isn't there? About family. About home. About where do I belong? I'm going to have to leave my family in order to follow this Jesus. So I need to say my farewells because I'm going to move on to a different place. And Jesus says, no, don't say your farewells. Come instead to follow me. And I think the reason that Jesus is saying this 
has something to do with a change he's requiring in us. You see, when Jesus first called Simon Peter and his brother Andrew as fishermen, he said, come and follow me. And their response was, they immediately left their nets and followed Jesus. Where did they go? Well, they went straight back to Capernaum, which was their hometown. They went to the synagogue, and straight after the synagogue, Jesus went to Simon Peter's house, had dinner there with the family, healed his mother-in-law. You see, when we're talking about leaving the family, which is what Jesus is talking about here as he sets his face towards Jerusalem, he's actually talking about freedom. He's talking about a different kind of family. In one sense, it's not about leaving the old. It's about shifting from one world to another world. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And in order to enter this freedom, we need to die to the old world, let the dead bury the dead, and be born again into the new world. And that only happens through the fire and the wind of God's Spirit. Outside, it's blowing not quite a gale, but it's a force five on the Beaufort scale this morning, which is pretty windy, isn't it? Quite breezy. But in here, there's a different wind blowing. One that you only feel in your spirit. It's the wind of God that brings life and freedom. And we have a choice each day to follow that spirit. To be born into this kingdom. So when Paul talks about being born into freedom, he then goes on to say, live by the Spirit, but do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit. You see, there's this constant struggle going on. It's there in the story of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah is constantly saying to Elisha, you stay here, you stay here, I have to go on. And Elisha has a choice to make. Does he do what Elijah says? Or does he follow, even against the odds? Does he overcome that resistance and say, no! I will follow you. And time and time again, Elisha says, No, I will not stay here. I will follow you as the Lord is my God. You see, that's what Jesus is looking for when he speaks to these disciples. 
I will follow you. Will you? Will you? Because if you do follow me, it will cost you everything. But what you'll gain is freedom. And that freedom will actually bring life to others. Listen for a moment to that list that Paul goes through. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication. Impurity. Licentiousness. Idolatry. Sorcery. Enmity. Strife. Jealousy. Anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, drunkenness, envy, orgying, and the things such as these. What do all these things have in common? What are they all about? They're actually all about that little word. We have it as three letters. S-I-N, sin. And what's in the centre of sin? The letter I. Me. The thing about the world is it's at its centre is the ego, is the me. And it's a constant struggle that we have to face. Everything in Paul's list there has to do with self-gratification. It has to do with putting yourself before others. By contrast, he says, the fruit of the Spirit. And listen to these and think whether they're for yourself or they're for others. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, generosity, faithfulness gentleness, self-control. You see, all of these things are wrapped up in this one command, love. Because when you love, you lay down your life for the other. You overcome that compulsion to look after yourself. Because all the looking after ourself is about is about trying to protect ourselves from death and pain. But when the Spirit of God is in you, you overcome that because that same Spirit is the one that raised Jesus from the dead. It is the Spirit that transforms you into the alternative world, the kingdom of of God. It's like going through a portal. You're in the same place, but you're not in the same place. You're in the same world, but all of a sudden your eyes are open. Just as Elisha saw those fiery horsemen and chariots, to which his eyes had been blind previously, all of a sudden he saw the spiritual realm. It was always there, but his eyes were closed. The raven in Norman Nicholson's poem is here 
in this church, in this building. The wind of God blows. Can you feel it? Will you rise to his challenge? It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Amen.